bid you welcome on this Remembrance Day as we come to worship God here in his house. As has been our practice, I think every year we will begin with the hymn 752. O God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come, our shelter from the stormy blast, and our eternal home. And when we sing this hymn, we'll remain standing as we remember those who have fallen in two world wars and other conflicts. standing and we come to observe a minute's silence in memory of those who have given their lives in two world wars and also in more recent conflicts and we think especially of those who have lost their lives in Ukraine it's still very much in our minds in these days we hear of victory in Kershaw and yet as the Russians leave they, they bomb they places that give them all that they need day by day, electricity and water and so forth. So our thoughts are very much with our folks here. Let us observe a minute's silence, please.
they shall not grow old as we who are left grow old. Age shall not weary them, nor the years condemn. At the going down of the sun and in the morning, we will remember them. Our God and gracious Father, we bow together in thy holy presence in Jesus' worthy name. We come collectively to the house of worship to meet principally with our God and also with one another. We come in fellowship in the presence of God with our minds and our hearts as the body of Christ knit together. We come to lift and extol the name of our blessed Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose presence we bow and in whose name we come. We remember those who have paid the ultimate sacrifice. We always think today and, in fact, many days in the year of the great love that others have shown in giving their lives for freedom and liberty that we enjoy. We think of the Savior when he says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man laid down his life for his friends. And we think, Lord, of those who did just that in wars past, in the First World War, the Second World War, in the conflicts here in Northern Ireland, the wars in Iraq, Afghanistan, other places. And we think, Lord, even today of what's happening in the land of Ukraine. We pray for families that mourn today. We think of those who this day is a very special day for as they consider loved ones, family, relatives that have paid that ultimate sacrifice and given their lives for our freedoms. We enjoy the liberty of coming to God's house the way we are today with tremendous freedom to worship the living God. We think of some places in the world that are held in the grip of communism or Islam, or other religions where Christianity is not tolerated and they do not have the freedom that we have. And yet here we are with the immense privilege of coming to your house, lifting our voices in praise to God. Prayer is made from our hearts to thee today. We sing the hymns of Zion. We read your word. We have time around your word as we study it together. And Lord, we just acknowledge these things today and give thee thanks. We pray that this day will be owned of God as we have our special meeting tonight. As we think, Lord, of those who will come who will not normally be with us. Maybe this is the only day in the year that finds them in the house of God. We pray that you will bless them as they come here. Bless what we seek to do. Bless what we remember. But, oh, God, bless your word to the hearts of those that listen. And may this be a great day when the gospel goes forth and men and women are enlightened to the truth of Christ and come to know him as their Savior. We pray for all the unconverted that are in this house today, worshiping with us now, maybe some listening in on the Internet. Father, we commit them to thee. We just long for that day when they will cease their wanderings and going astray when they will come and submit their way unto Christ and believe in him to the saving of their soul. 
We remember the mission down in Ahore. We pray that you'll bless your word as it is proclaimed night by night, and may sinners be drawn to Christ. And Lord, this day we do remember very especially the McAleese family in this tragic circumstance that they find themselves in with the loss of this little boy. We pray for a family that is in deep mourning, that the Lord will come and he will make himself known, that there will be someone who will draw alongside this family to bring a word from the Lord. We pray that you'll bear them up in the arms of love today. Remember the Taylor family. We think of Mervyn, and we pray for him in hospital, that you'll bless him. Adrian, too, that you'll bring him to recovery. We think of Frank McClure also, and we just commit this family to the Lord. Pray for the continued touch of the Lord in Aline's life as she recovers from surgery. Bless her this day. And for our brother Mervyn Miller also, Lord, we hear that an infection is back again in his body. Oh, Father, bring him to a better day. And for Dr. Lindsay Wilson, we know the prolonged illness that he's had and decisions that have had to be made recently. We commit the Lord's servant into your hands today. Lord, hear our cries and bless us as we continue now in your presence for Jesus' sake. Amen. You may be seated. And we come to the reading of the Word of God as we have our psalm for today, the Psalm 144. Blessed be the Lord my strength, which teacheth my hands to war and my fingers to fight, my goodness and my fortress, my high tower and my deliverer, my shield and he in whom I trust, who subdueth my people under me. Lord, what is man that thou takest knowledge of him, or the son of man that thou makest account of him? Man is like to vanity. His days are as a shadow that passeth away. Bow thy heavens, O Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains, and they shall smoke. Cast forth lightning, and scatter them. Shoot out thine arrows, and destroy them. Send thine hand from above. Rid me, and deliver me out of great waters from the hand of strange children whose mouth speaketh vanity, and their right hand is a right hand of falsehood. I will sing a new song unto thee, O God. Upon a psaltery and an instrument of ten strings will I sing praises unto thee. It is he that giveth salvation unto kings, who delivereth David his servant from the hurtful sword. Rid me and deliver me from the hand of strange children, whose mouth speaketh vanity, and their right hand is a right hand of falsehood, that our sons may be as plants growing up in their youth, that our daughters may be as cornerstones polished after the similitude of a palace, that our garners may be full, affording all manner of store, that our sheep may bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our streets, that our oxen may be strong to labor, that there be no breaking in nor going out, that there be no complaining in our streets. Happy is that people that is in such a case, yea, happy is that people whose God is the Lord. Amen. 
May the Lord bless his word. We bid you welcome to God's house today in this Remembrance Sunday. And we trust as we worship together and those that are listening in on the internet that we will be truly blessed. We've been praying for a number of people who want to remember them before the throne of grace and prayer. They cannot be with us today. But please remember those that mourn. We're remembering the McAleese family. We've been praying for them. And I know that you have, in a personal way, been doing that at home. We've been remembering Francis's family, the Taylors, those that we mentioned in prayer, Aline and her recovery days, and Mervyn Miller, all these ones. I mentioned Dr. Lindsay Wilson. Two years ago, he took ill, and everything was pointing as the months went on to some kind of autoimmune disease. Uh, but that's a, a broad term that covers about 80 different diseases and he has had uh, visits to the specialists he's been to to London for uh, tests and they've narrowed it down uh, to one of these diseases that is a big long technical term but that has resulted in him coming to a decision last Lord's Day to step down from the ministry so he has retired uh, from our church in Castle Durr because of illness. This particular disease does not have a great prospect of recovery, though he's hopeful that some of the symptoms will be managed. So Dr. Wilson, resting in the Lord, uh, confident in his heart that where he is today is all part of God's plan, appreciates the prayers of the church here, for you've been praying for him for these past couple of years. And he's very content in his heart that He's in the center of God's will, but he still needs our encouragement and our prayer. So please remember him. And uh, some of you were remembering Betty Hopper's brother, Victor, and we heard of him passing away last evening. So please remember the situation there also. Now, tonight is the remembrance service and the wreath-laying ceremony. There'll be a testimony from Major David Johnston. And the Hebron choir will sing, and I will bring the word. This is something that you can share, get the invitation out. I've tried to do this both on WhatsApp and also on Facebook, but share it, encourage people to come uh, this evening under the sound of the word. Refreshments will be served, and ladies, we're asking you to help out as you do so many times, and we're thankful for that. Please help out with the sandwiches and the buns that are needed. Tomorrow night is the Let the Bible Speak TV recording sessions, and this will be in Lisburn. The bus will be leaving, the buses or whatever will be leaving at six o'clock, and a congregation is needed. Uh, Jonathan has worked uh, very hard on this to try and get a people together. We appreciate that, but there's about five more people are needed. If you can go tomorrow night, uh, that would be something that will help out greatly with these recordings, because you do need uh, an audience. You need people to sing, and that is a big part of it. And the other two preachers, as far as I know, they're coming from smaller churches, so it's going to be difficult to get that congregation, and they're relying heavily upon Balamoni. So that's something we service that you could do for the Lord. It's the Sunday School Teachers Prayer Meeting here tomorrow night at 8 o'clock also, so teachers remember that. Tuesday <clears throat> is Youth Challenge at seven, and it's a special effort to reach uh, children. 
So I want you to pray about that and pray that children from the area will come in. And you as a child here today, you get your friends in under the sound of the gospel. It's a special pizza night and bring a friend. And this will be an extended time. So it's from 6.30 until 8 o'clock. After that, our committee will meet. I'm preaching on Wednesday night at the Ahori Gospel Mission. And so we were due to have the Wednesday night meeting. So we're bringing it forward just one day. And after the children's work is finished, then the committee around 8 o'clock or as soon after will meet. Thursday is the midweek at 8 o'clock. I'll be here to preach, God willing. Friday is Youth Fellowship at 8 o'clock. And then from Friday to Sunday is our Missionary Council weekend. If you would like to attend on the Friday night or the Saturday night, you can. You can come in. Even though it's a residential thing, we still make provision for anyone that would like to travel in. On Friday night, the meeting is at 8 o'clock. It's a kind of an informal gathering. Uh, They used to call it a meet and greet, but we've made it into usually showing some slides. And, And this year, I want to tell the story about our Ukrainian friends coming to Northern Ireland, how that all started and and where we are today seven months later. Pastor Valentin will be giving his testimony and his family will be singing and tea and coffee and refreshments will be served afterwards. That meeting is at 8 o'clock. The Saturday night meeting is also at 8 o'clock. It's the conference meeting and they're going to be short missionary reports. Reverend Lyle Boyd just returned home from Spain David McCauley will give a report on his Uganda visit. Glenda Graham, a short testimony. Rebecca will be singing, and Samuel will be giving a short report on the Hebron uh, visit to Uganda when we went there in 2019. Dr. John Douglas is the preacher, and again, refreshments will be served after the meeting is over. Saturday morning is the open air in the center of the town at 11 o'clock. We encourage you to to go there and stand for the Lord. Next Lord's Day, the prayer meeting is at 8 o'clock. The Sunday school is at 10.30. Our Bible class, 10.45. Phil will deal with the backslider when Satan steals our soul is the particular theme. Worship service at 12 noon. We continue with our missionary weekend with the council. There will be a report on the Indian Orphan Project and our brother Depankar Nandi from India will give that. So we're going to have this live link up, God willing. The Ukrainian church group will sing. Our Hebron youth will sing a piece. And the Reverend Colin Mercer, the new uh, chairman of the mission board, will bring greetings. And the Reverend Joshua Moffat will be the guest preacher. He's a new member of our mission board. Sunday night, the gospel meeting is at seven. I'll be here to preach. We thank you sincerely for your tithes and offerings to God's work. The building fund envelopes are today, and next week is Missionary Council and School Covenant. I think most of you have attended already to the Christmas dinner. Just to remind you, if you haven't, get your name on the list. That list is almost full now. Friday the 2nd of December and the list is at the door and the price is there for you to see whatever you choose. The Let the Bible Speak calendars are also available, £5 each. All the money, all the proceeds go to the ministry 
of Let the Bible Speak. And this is a special 50th anniversary issue. If you didn't get the Vision magazine last week, it's also available. And we want you to pray for the gospel mission in Ahore. Continues this week also. And also Resharkin are having their Bible week this week. Remember them. That's the, the preachers that are coming along. There's some leaflets that are available. So if you want to go there, one of the nights you'll be made welcome. I want you to pray for ongoing Sunday school work in Kenya. Pastor Patrice uh, shared three photographs of three different classes. These are children that are being brought in under the sound of the word. And they're meeting outside, as you can see. And the, the caption that was sent to us was that it's cold because it had rained the night before and they have been stopped going into the school building to have these meetings. So at the moment they're meeting outside. These children are coming from non-Christian families and some of them from brewing families. And there's a terrible case of alcoholism with some of these families. So the children need prayer and the teaching of the Word of God. Please do remember them before God. We've been asking to remember the Taylor family, Mervyn and Adrian, and also Francis's uncle, Frank. We've been praying for the McAleese family. And if you could also include in that our brother Hubert Larravee. Hubert is going into hospital this week for surgery. So remember him, please, that the Lord will be with him and help him through, and all the others that are in our minds and hearts at this time, and everything to do with the land of Ukraine. We share these slides with you continually because they are relevant and we want to remember what is happening uh, and these folks that are particularly affected by it. We're going to sing together 512, Give me the faith which can remove and sink the mountain to a plain. Give me the childlike praying love which longs to build thy house again. Thy love led it my heart or power and all my yearning soul devour. Will you pray through this hymn? Not just sing it, but pray it every line to the Lord just now as we come to this precious word. We'll stand to sing when we get the introduction. Let's rise to see.
May I be seated. Let's turn to God's Word to Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. And I, I want to bring a Remembrance Day message. And I'm very conscious in the preparation of this message that we'll not get through it all today. Uh, so we'll have to come back to it. We'll, we'll give you some of it today and we'll come back to it in two weeks' time because next week is the missionary meeting. And we hope between now and then you remember most of what I say today. Revelation chapter 2, and we're going to read the opening seven verses. The opening seven verses is the letter that John, the beloved disciple, was moved to write by the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the message of Christ to this congregation in the city of Ephesus. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles, and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne, and hast patience, and for my name's sake hast labored, and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. May the Lord bless his word to every heart. Let's bow together before God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for this day of remembrance and we thank Thee for Your presence with us here in God's house. We know that You have spoken to us already. We can't come to Your Word either in the psalm or now in this reading, nor can we come to the singing of the hymns together without God speaking to our hearts. And we pray just for that grace to sit up and listen and to pray Lord, what are you saying? What are you teaching? What is there for me today? Lord, speak to hearts. Speak to my heart. Oh, revive us today in the presence of God. We're thinking of that Psalm 119 this morning in the prayer meeting where over and over again the author says, quicken me, quicken me. And Lord, we do need to know the quickening work of God being made alive unto the things of the Lord. And so close us in for this time now in your house, in your presence with one another and teach us, Lord, the things of God 
and speak to every heart and glorify your name as a result for Jesus' sake. Amen. So we want to bring a Remembrance Day message. And as I was thinking about this and praying about it and looking up quite extensively in the scriptures, the word remembrance as it is used throughout the scriptures, I was brought to this passage of scripture here that deals with the Ephesian church. And I was brought particularly to the text in verse 5 where we have the first word, remember, And so the text is, remember therefore from whence thou art fallen. And I want you to keep that in mind as we develop this subject and as we come to look at it today and also in the will of God in two weeks' time. This is Remembrance Sunday. And I want to preach a remembrance message. It's good to remember. The word remembrance in its various forms is used extensively in the scripture. In fact, it is used hundreds of times. The first time it's mentioned, it's God who remembers. He remembers Noah who had been shut up in the ark for over a year. And so we read in Genesis 8 and verse 1, and God remembered Noah. But he didn't only remember Noah. He remembered every living thing, and all the cattle that was with him in the ark, and God made a wind to pass over the earth, and the waters assuaged. They began to go down. God remembered his child, his obedient, faithful child, who had gone into the ark a year previously, and had been shut up there with all the difficulty that there must have been every day in that atmosphere. God remembered him, remembered him for good, and was now going to bring the day when Noah would come out into the new world. In fact, the first number of biblical references are to do with God remembering. You can look them up for yourself. God promised to remember his covenant with Noah in Genesis 9 and verse 15, not to destroy the world again by a universal flood. And though there's rain and plenty of rain in certain parts of the world, the world will never be destroyed by a universal flood again. And God set the sign of the covenant in the sky, the bow, the rainbow, just to remind us, and every time you see the rainbow, you want to be reminded of God's covenant promise that he's not going to destroy this world again by a universal flood. God remembered Abraham in Genesis chapter 19 and verse 29, his prayer for Sodom, and as a result of this remembrance, he delivered Lot out of the overthrow of Sodom. You remember in the previous chapter, Abraham prayed with that intercessory prayer as he thought about his family that were living in the city of destruction and how God was going to come and destroy Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities of the plain. And Abraham, as any father here would or any uncle or any family member would, thought about his family that were living in the city of Sodom and he got before God and he earnestly prayed. And although those cities were destroyed, yet the prayers of Abraham were answered. God remembered Abraham. And he sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow and saved his life on that occasion. God also remembered Rachel in Genesis chapter 30 and verse 22 and and opened her womb. Her womb was closed. She could have no children. 
She was sorely vexed by this, but God remembered her for good, and she bore children thereafter. And this is the pattern throughout the Scripture, when God remembers. God remembering his people and remembering them for good. And in his remembering them for good, he intervenes. He steps into the situation and he brings about a better day for them. He intervenes. And then there are numerous references regarding man remembering. Some of these are memory texts. They're key verses. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. That command has not gone out of existence, you know. God gave ten commandments, and all those ten commandments are still in force today. This is a day of rest. This is a day of worship. This is a day when we withdraw ourselves from the other things that we do on the six days. And God says, I want you to remember, remember my day. And I want you to remember particularly that this day is a holy day. It's not a holiday as some people treat it. It's a holy day. Genesis chapter 20, verse 8. And then we have another reference, but thou shalt remember that thou wast a bondman in Egypt, and the Lord thy God redeemed thee since. Deuteronomy 24, verse 18. God did not want his ancient people to forget where they once were and how they were in the house of bondage, in slavery. But God redeemed them redeemed them by the blood of the Lamb and brought them out victoriously from the house of bondage into the promised land. And you and I are not to forget the bondage that we were in when we were in our sin, when we were held captive by the devil at his will. The Lord came and he redeemed us by the precious blood of God's Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ, who went to the cross for our sins. Never forget a child of God, what you once were, what God has done for you, bringing you out of your bondage into the marvelous light of the gospel and the freedom of the gospel and his redemptive work that we have in Christ. Remember the days of old, Deuteronomy 32 and verse 7. We're not to forget the days of old. That was a command given in Deuteronomy, but it was given later on to Israel. Don't, don't forget those days of old, especially what God has done. And we are not to forget those days of old either and what God has done for us, not only in our own personal lives, in our own history, but even further back than that when, when seasons of blessing were sent to this nation. What a day to remember such a text on this Remembrance Sunday when we think of all who sacrificed their lives, that we might meet in freedom like this today in the house of God. Remember the days of old. Remember those who have given their lives for our liberty. Remember the great revivals that God has sent to the nation. And may it cause you to think in your heart, God can do it again and set you aflame in your soul to pray for such days to come back again. We have that text in Ecclesiastes 12, verse 1. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. All the young people sit up just for a moment. Here's a text for you. Here's a message from God for you. Even at this passing moment, as we mention the text, Ecclesiastes 12, verse 1. Don't forget it, because there's coming a day, as that text tells us, the evil days, when you'll say that you have no pleasure in those days. Now you have youth. Now you have vitality. You've got energy. 
bundles of it. Many of you have. And this is the time to remember God, your creator who made you, not when you're old, not when you're not able to do things like you're able to do now today. Remember now thy creator, young people. It's a verse of scripture for your heart at this moment as we pass through some of these remembrance texts. Remember Lot's wife. Jesus said, Luke 17 and verse 32. Remember that woman in the overthrow that had, as we've said in the past, just a lean to religion. She just leaned towards religion because of her husband who, who was a just man, a righteous man. She just leaned towards it all, had all the privileges belonging to the family of Abraham and his nephew Lot, and yet she was destroyed in the overthrow. You want to remember Lot's wife. You want to learn from her. Jesus said hundreds of years later, remember this woman. And he still wants us to remember this woman. For all she had was that lean to religion. Is that all you have today? You lean towards Christianity, but you're not a Christian. You're not saved. You have all the privileges maybe of a Christian father, a Christian mother, a Christian relative. But you yourself are still not saved. And even though you might have some kind of outward profession, you don't know the Lord. And you know that in your heart. Oh, remember Lot's wife who was overthrown in that terrible, terrible destruction that came to the cities of the plain. The Lord would have you to remember. Think of Luke 22 and verse 19. He took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, he gave unto them saying, this is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. How soon we are to forget Calvary, if we're honest. I wonder, dear Christian, did you think about Calvary this morning? That you took time before you came to church to pray, to seek the Lord. Were the thoughts of the cross in your mind, the suffering Savior who gave himself that you might be saved? Did you ponder it? Did you meditate upon it? On this Remembrance Sunday, did you remember Christ and his wondrous death for you? Maybe you have to say, no, I haven't thought about that yet today. But then have you thought much about it since last week, since we met last Lord's Day? No wonder the Lord Jesus Christ instituted a supper of remembrance, calling upon his people to remember. Why? Because we're apt to forget. Don't forget the cross. Don't forget the sacrifice of Christ. This do, Jesus says, in remembrance of me. I think of Acts chapter 20 and verse 35. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. We're living in a world when, when people want to receive. They want to take everything that they can possibly get. Well, it's more difficult for them to give. And yet Jesus says there's a greater blessing in the giving than there is in the receiving. It's a good thing to remember when we're, we're giving to the Lord's work or missionary work or to the poor or even at Christmas time. Remember, there's a blessing in our giving, a greater blessing than in our receiving. Though some people think it's the other way about. Not so. The word of God tells us, and the words of Christ, it's better to give 
And then we, we think of Hebrews 13, verse 7, just one final text to mention. Remember them which have the rule over you. God has given order in his church. He has given government in his church. Whether it's a presbytery level or session level, he's given order. And these texts that I've mentioned are all filled with instruction. And I could take a whole series on the remembrance texts and many more besides. But I want you to ponder with me today the remembrance text of Revelation 2 and verse 5, where Jesus says, Remember whence thou art fallen. It's the first letter the beloved John was instructed to write. The seven churches are now going to be addressed in chapter 2 and chapter 3 of the book of Revelation. And the Lord instructed the beloved John to write to the seven churches of Asia Minor. And this is the first one. It's the, the Ephesian church. The one thing that we can be sure about every day is the fact that the Lord knows all about us. You see that right at the beginning of this letter. The Lord knows all about us. He knows all about us collectively, and he knows all about us privately. So he knows all about the church. This is a body gathered here today, here for worship. It's the Hebron church. Some of you might be visiting. That's good. We're glad to see you. But those that meet here normally on the Sabbath day, the Lord knows all about this church. He knows this church through and through. Knows all about what we're doing from week to week for him. He knows our good points and he knows our bad points. And I'm sure we have many bad points. He also knows you personally. Because he looks right into your heart. And he knows that there's nothing hidden from the Lord. He knows all about you. Knows the thoughts that you think. He knows the state of your true state of your heart. He knows the work that you do from day to day. He knows us collectively. He knows us personally. He knows us publicly. He knows us privately. There's nothing that we do as a church, but the Lord knows every detail. And there's nothing that we do as an individual or say, but the Lord knows all about it. And as Christ addresses not only the church at Ephesus, but every church, and you want to read these chapters, he says to them, he begins the same way, I know thy works. I know everything about you, people in Ephesus, and I know everything about you in the other six churches that he writes about, or he writes to. Jesus knew all about this church, every minute detail. He knew those details perfectly, intimately, completely. Nothing had escaped his all-seeing eyes, and he knows about us too. I want you to know that. I want you to see that before we come to the heart of this matter, because the matter was a problem of the heart as far as this church was concerned. Before we come to that, you need to know Jesus knows all about you. He knows the detail of your life. He knows your heart right now. And maybe if we know you've got the same problem as this church in Ephesus had, he knew all about the state of this church, the serious defect that was found there. Though there were many good things about the congregation at Ephesus, and we're going to note them this morning, yet there was this glaring sin, and it needed to be addressed. And if this sin was not brought to their attention so that they might repent of it 
and get right with God, this church was in the greatest of danger. It would go out of existence. It would cease to be. We read there at the end of verse 5, or else, if you don't repent, if you don't remember and repent and return to where you ought to be, if you don't do this, Jesus says, I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick, the light of the church. I'll remove it out of his place except thou repent. The message of Christ was very straight and it was very simple to this church. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, repent and do the first works. Could it be that I'm talking to someone, some people, or maybe even many people in this house of God today or listening in on the internet and, and this serious sin is found in you? What was the sin that these Ephesian Christians were guilty of? It was the sin of leaving their first love. I wonder, am I speaking to people today in this church or listening in, and that's you. Things are not what they once were. Indeed, the truth of the matter is your heart is not right with God. I can't see your heart, and the person beside you can't. They can't see your heart either, but God sees your heart. Jesus sees your heart today, and he knows you better than any person. In fact, he knows you better than you know yourself. Things are not what they once were. You've wandered from God. Oh, you haven't wandered into deep sin. You haven't backslidden into the things of the world. In fact, you're still very much involved in Christian work, faithful at the services, never an absentee from prayer, Maybe good qualities are still found in you, but all the while, this deplorable sin is in your heart. If I could see it, if people around you could see it, but you know, I don't need to see it, and nobody else needs to see it because God sees it. And it's God that you walk before in this life, and it's God that you will ultimately answer to on the great day of judgment when you stand before him. But the truth of the matter is you've left your first love. But God has a message for you today and God willing you'll be with us in two weeks. Part of that message is to remember. And so I want you to, to look at the situation on Remembrance Sunday and let's see if God has a word for your heart and may you bring yourself under the light of divine truth. That's, that's what you need to do. You need to bring yourself under the light of this book, under the light of this passage of Scripture particularly, this letter, this letter that was written from Christ to the church at Ephesus. It was particularly for them because they had left their first love. But you will know that every letter that was written was to be read to all the seven churches so that all the seven churches could hear what Christ is saying to each individual church. And God has preserved this in his word so that we might know what John was instructed to write to those churches because the sins 
that were found in these churches, five of them anyhow, two of them were not censured for any particular sin, but in the other ones, these sins are still prevalent today in the lives and the hearts of God's people. So the Lord has given his word and we need to bring ourselves into the light of this book. And we need to see what's happening here in the Ephesian church. And we need to see if this is us today. Lord, is it me? Is there a message for me? Have I left my first love? And we'll come to really see what it is to leave your first love next time. But I, I want just to bring one message or one point to you as we close today. We'll do it quickly. I want you to see the commendation of Christ because the Lord commends this church for the good things that were, that were found in their ranks. These people were not outwardly backslidden. Their backsliding was a heart problem. They had not forsaken the testimony of Christ, their stand for him, they're contending for the faith, their opposition against evil. No, outwardly, they, they looked as good as any church might look or as any Christian individually might look. But note what the Lord says. He speaks about their labor. Speaks about their labor. And we're thinking particularly here about verses 2 and 3, if you want to keep your eye on this section of God's Word. These people worked for the Lord. And the, the, the thought here and the expression that Jesus uses is they worked hard. This church was a hard-working church. And they're commended for it by the Lord Jesus. And then he highlights their patience. And again, the thought here is, is patient or steadfast endurance. In other words, they were patient under trial. They persevered with God. We believe as Christians in the perseverance of the saints. Those that persevere will be saved. We know that. And you might say about this church, it was rock solid. You would look at it and the Lord is commending it for its labor, for its patience. And you would say, that's a rock solid church. And then he draws attention to their dislike of evil people. The Ephesian church pursued doctrinal purity. They wanted to make sure that their doctrines were right in the church, what they believed. And he, he stresses how they had examined false apostles. You see it there in verse 2, the end of it. Thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars. You remember what Paul warned about? Back in Acts chapter 20. Remember Paul now is going towards his death. He's going eventually to Rome where he's going to be martyred for the faith. And he's leaving the Ephesian church where he had spent a considerable period of time with these people that he loved. There's a parting time between pastor and people, between preacher and people. Down there on the shore, he had called the elders of the church together and Eventually they do part and there's tears on the shore because Paul says, you're not going to see me anymore. But part of what he warned them in Acts chapter 20 and verse 29 is this. He says, for I know that after my departing they are, shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. 
And of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember. It's not hard to see from what Jesus is saying to them now, 30 years later, between the time Paul left them and Jesus is addressing them as 30 years, that the Ephesians took Paul seriously. They examined the teaching of those that profess to be apostles. We are leaders. We are apostles. And God has spoken to us, and, and here's what we want to tell you. They examined what they were being taught, as we must examine what is being taught and bring it into the light of God's Word. Sadly, some professed Christians aren't much interested in what is being taught, not much interested in doctrine or what Christian leaders and ministers believe. You will discover that to some, music is more important. It doesn't really matter what they preach in the church. It doesn't matter what the doctrines are. It doesn't matter whether they are like these men, false apostles, but you know the music's good, and we like that music. Or what they offer the young people is more important. It doesn't matter what they believe, but you know, they have a lot going for the young people, and I want my child to be there because of all the activities that they have. And their social activities are high on the list. I know places today that are all signed in the faith and where pastors are erroneous in their teaching. But that's overlooked because of all the other things that, that they want that please the flesh. And they don't really care about what is being taught. Not so with the Ephesians. I want you to see this. This church worked hard. This church was a patient church under trial. This church hated evil. This church examined the teachings that were brought to them, brought it under the light of God's Word. And they found men who said they were apostles, and they weren't apostles. And they found them to be liars. Spurgeon had a comment to make on this quality of the Ephesians in examining the teachings of professed apostles. And this is what Spurgeon said in his day. This was grand of them. It showed a backbone of truth. I wish some of the churches of this age had a little of this holy decision about them. For nowadays, if a man be clever, he may preach the vilest lie that was ever vomited from the mouth of hell, and it will go down with some. And that's true. He commends them for not fainting. Another great quality found in the Ephesian church in verse 3 at the end of it, for my name's sake thou hast labored and not fainted. The Ephesian church did all these things. They worked hard. They persevered with patience. They stood against evil, the things that we've mentioned, without becoming weary. And this is truly amazing and commendable. I know how easy it is for weariness to set in. Christians become weary in their labors, weary in their witnessing and their evangelism, weary in their prayers, weary in going through with God, weary in their commitment to Christ, weary in their church attendance. No wonder Paul counseled the Galatian church, be not weary in well-doing. For in due season you shall reap if you faint not. It may be that we have Christians even here today, and that is you. You have given up in so many things. You're far away from what you used to be. 
you have forsaken much because of fainting. It's the age in which we're living. Not so these Ephesian believers. And Jesus commends them highly. And they hated the deeds of the Nicolaitans. I'll not go into that, but the, the Nicolaitans had, had doctrines that were against the word of God. They, they overemphasized the liberty that we have as Christians. And you can do things that are sinful. It doesn't really matter. You're saved. You can, you can still have the world. You can still have immorality. It doesn't matter. And they hated that kind of perverse teaching. So you have to agree that these details are very commendable. Any church would be proud to have a membership like this. Christians who labor tirelessly. Christians who are patient in the midst of trial. Who are discerning of false brethren. People who say they're Christians and, and put themselves up as leaders in the work. And yet they are not sincere. They are rotten to the core. You'd want this kind of church that's, that's not weary in well-doing or faint under the strain of Christian service. Sadly, many churches do not even come near this testimony. They don't match up to the busy, fervent, faithful labors of the Ephesian church. I know churches, I know Christians, and they're making no progress at all in their Christian life. And they're stinted in their labors, and they, they tolerate evil people, and they faint continually in their commitment to God and to the church and to the souls of men. You, you don't see them twice on a Sabbath day. You don't see them at prayer meetings. You don't see them laboring for the Lord the way that the people of this church undoubtedly did. Their desire for outreach and evangelism is almost non-existent, and they fainted years ago. The point I'm making here, and I want you to see this, very simple. Here is an early New Testament church in the city of Ephesus that had a very serious defect in their very heart. And yet at the same time, there was so much outwardly that was commendable. And there are Christians and there are churches who do not even come near the standard of these people. It makes me wonder where, where they fit in when it comes to the assessment of Christ. If all these commendable things were there in Ephesus, and yet Jesus said, I've got something against you. Uh, it's a problem in your heart. You've left your first love. You sometimes wonder where, where some churches today fit in. The commendable features of this church, the Christians who worship there, should be followed by us. Indeed, as believers, we should imitate the, the godly perseverance of this congregation. By all outward appearances, this was a solid church that worked hard, had great outreach, and protected the integrity of the gospel. And I pray, as I prepared this message, I pray, I prayed over this, I pray that these things will be found in me I want to be like the church at Ephesus in the commendable things that Jesus mentions. That God will continue to make me a pastor that works hard. That God will enable me to, to exercise godly patience, even in times of trial. That the Lord will help me to stand against the evils of today. And that the Lord will help me to faint not. I don't want to be weary in God's work. I don't want to become weary in well-doing. 
weary and, and rising early in the Sabbath day for prayer, weary and, and looking at my watch continually in a service because I want the service to be over. I want the preaching to be over. I don't want to get to that place where I'm failing in my commitment to, to the prayer aspects of the church or reaching the souls of men with the gospel. It's so easy, you know, so easy to allow discouragement to set in. It's so easy to give up on certain things. I don't want to go there. And then, of course, I prayed also that God would continue to mold this church here in Hebron into such a church as the Ephesian church was. I continually thank the Lord for a faithful congregation and how that you do continue in your labors in so many aspects of service, in prayer, on the Sabbath day, on worship, in your commitment to the church, your faithful attendance at special services and, and missions that we hold. I praise God today for every faithful elder and deacon, Sunday school teacher and youth worker, prayer warrior, outreach worker, contributor to the work. You have not given up. You have not fainted. You have not become weary. And when you did, and you felt that sense of weariness in your heart, you sought the Lord to bring you back on track, and he did. He came and he rekindled the fire in your soul. And what you do, you do for the Lord. He's been your inspiration. We, we note in verse 3 what Jesus said about the hard work of the Ephesian church. And this really challenged me. For Jesus says, For my name's sake thou hast labored and hast not fainted. That's so important. You don't want to miss this. This church did all they did for Christ. They didn't do it for themselves. They didn't do it to get a name in the city of Ephesus for themselves. They didn't do it become, to become popular. They didn't do it to become up there in the estimation of, of other Christians. They did it for the Lord. And that's how it ought to be. And when you get up in the morning and you go out to serve the Lord, do it for Him. When you open your mouth to make known the mysteries of the gospel, do it for Christ. When you journey to a prayer meeting, when you go on an outreach program, when you, you persevere every day in your Christian life, do it for the Lord. That makes it an awful lot easier. Jesus says, you did it for my sake, for the gospel's sake. However, there was a serious problem in this church. With all that the Lord has had to say, all these things that are listed here in verses 2 and 3, the good things that were found in this church, a church to emulate, a church that, that every pastor and people would love to have. Yet Jesus says, nevertheless, nevertheless, despite all this, there's something against you. And really he's saying, you're not right in your heart and you've left the love that you used to have for me. And that's what we're going to look at the next time with the prayer of our soul that in hearing such a thing that the Lord will bring us back to the first love. I prayed that already myself, wherein I have left the first love that I had for the Savior, that the Lord will help me to realize it, to remember it, to repent of it, and to return to it. And I pray that over these weeks that we look at this message, that God will do that work of grace in your heart and in mine.
for Jesus' sake. Heavenly Father, bless your word. We thank you for it in this Remembrance Day. And the Lord is saying, remember from whence thou art fallen. And we'll come to look at that in more detail in a couple of weeks' time. But Lord, we've said enough here to, to think about what this church was. And we have to say so many churches don't even come near this. How far away from the Lord they must be. And Lord, maybe in our hearts this day, there, there's not that love that we used to have for the Lord. Oh God, challenge us. Bring us back. Bring us back to where we ought to be with Christ. Speak to every willing heart for Jesus' sake. Amen. Appropriate to sing, oh, for a closer walk with God. A calm and a heavenly frame. A light to shine upon the road that leads me to the Lamb. We'll sing the opening three verses of the hymn. <clears throat> if those who are taking part tonight, if you're laying a wreath tonight, if you can wait behind and Mervyn meet them in the church hall. Okay, so if you're laying a wreath, we meet in the church hall as soon as the service is over. So shall my walk be close with God, calm and serene my frame, so purer lights shall mark the road that leads me to the Lamb. Heavenly Father, let your word penetrate our hearts, this message that Jesus had for the Ephesian church. Help us to go home and, and look at the passage, study it for ourselves, continue to pray over it, and Lord, just do a work of grace every day in our lives. Draw us closer to Christ. Help us to be what we ought to be for thee. Dismiss us now with your blessing. Bless the white today. Bless the meeting tonight very especially. 
May the Lord be magnified and glorified for Jesus' sake. Amen.